Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Elhamdülillahi Rabbil Alemin. Ve salatu selamu ala seyyidil mürselin. Ve ala alihi ve sahabeti ecmain. Amma ba'd. Fe'udu billahi minasşeytanirracim. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Ve asri innel insana lefi husr. İllellezine amenu ve aminu salihat. Mutevasu bil haq ve tevasu bil sabr. Sadaqallahu mevlana'l azim. So here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives an announcement to mankind. And this is called the Qasam wal Asr. So wow al Qasam. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can and he does swear by his creation as he likes. We're not allowed to swear by his we can only swear by Allah. We don't swear by the Quran, we don't swear by the Kaaba, we don't swear by you know profanity like most of the world does but rather we take a qasam by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and Allah alone Allah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala brings to our attention you know various of his creation to reflect and so here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says by the time and if you think about that that is the most magnanimous oath that can be taken you know because time it has no beginning and has no end. You know, sometimes Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives a qasam of najmi idahwa la qiyama. So these are events or you know entities. But if you think about time, because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Allah was there and there was nothing with him. But he was there. So time it in that sense it has no beginning and it has no end. And as the ulama say any, that the magnanimity of the purpose of the oath is indicated by the oath itself. And so if we think about the magnanimity of time, so it gives us, an, uh, it implies to what is the magnanim- magnanimous nature of what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to it bring our attention towards. And what he brings our attention towards is something quite frightening. That humanity, al insan, this is actually a, a singular, but with this alif lam, we call this alif lam of jins. So it means the genus of mankind. They're all in a state of loss. So, in other words, our default mode is we're default, in, by default, we're in loss. You know? which sounds kind of negative, but it's not really. You start out with zero, right? You, you have to build. You don't start out with plus. You start out, you know, from ground zero. And so the humanity, uh, the nature of human beings are that they, if, they don't, if they're not rightly guided, if they don't have the proper qualities, if they don't have the path in which they're supposed to proceed, then they proceed in the opposite direction of success. They proceed towards the direction of failure. Reason being is that man is not only spirit and of a spiritual nature which is connected to the sky or should be connected to the sky, to the upwards, but his basic, you know, uh, bodily nature, his, his animal nature, if you will, it's, you know, it's being drawn towards the earth, it's being drawn towards his passions, drawn toward his desires. 
and uh, if the human being doesn't take control of those desires through the guidance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then these, these desires overpower him and destroy him just like toxins if they build up in your body they will ultimately destroy your body if toxins build up into your in your brain your brain will be ultimately destroyed and if toxins build up in the society then society will be destroyed which is what we see today we have a very toxic world a very toxic society and this this toxicity is increasing throughout the universe we've uh, we were observing yesterday that uh, it seems that modern man, the best thing that he's capable of is waste. He's, he's wasting himself, he's wasting his time, he's wasting his resources, and he's just prolifically, uh, you know, producing waste. We've even got waste floating around in space now. We weren't happy with, you know, destroying our own worldly environment. We've destroyed the environment of the sea, and now we want to destroy the environment of the entire universe. But uh, we would be destroyed before that happens. So Allah subhanahu wa says the human being is in a state of loss. He's headed towards disaster unless he acquires four things. And it's very interesting that these four things have nothing to do with external resources. Which is, if you think about that, that's also totally juxtaposed to what modern man believes. We think success, it's connected to things outside of us. It's a bank account, it's you know, a good job, a good career, you know, a house in the suburbs, and so forth and so on. It had nothing to do with that. You know. And uh, the, the, the testimony of that in front of us, starkly, is that we find that the more people have resources, those very things which from the very beginning of the educational process, which is basically, you know, uh, the world is uh, basically a two-party system. And I don't mean the Democrats and the Republicans, by the way. You have, according to the Quran, you have... Hezbollah, and you have Hezbollah Shaitan. So either you belong to the party of Ar-Rahman, or you belong to the party of Shaitan, right? And so since, you know, the, the, the party of Shaitan has really, really overpowered, you know, most of humanity, so the entire system is based on his basis, you know. And his whole agenda is, يَدْعُوكُمْ إِلَىٰ لِتَكُونُ مِنْ أَصْحَابِ sair. He invites us so that we become among his party and his uh, and his companions in the in the fire of hell. And uh, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala is inviting us to Darus Salam. Interestingly, the name of your institution here. Wallahi Salam. So the the entire system is based on you know that that that whole premise that. What is, what is important is what is in front of us, what is, we can understand with our senses, we can t- touch, we can taste, we can, we can see, we can hear. We know uh, and we've been educated from the very beginning of our education process that what you see that's real and what you is tangible and that's where value lies. But the fact of the matter is that that's, that's really not the case. And we see that those have 
those who have more and more and more of those tangibles, we find that the mental institutions are more full with those individuals than others, and they have more complex problems and difficulties than the people who don't. So what we have been trained and we have been, you know, sort of beguiled into believing our success lies in, Alessandro says there's no success in that whatsoever. Success lies within us. It has nothing to do with outside of us. You know, and therefore, as man as aspires to acquire more of the outside, he acquires more desire. So it's a vicious cycle. The more I want from outside, the more I want a bank account, the more I want of property, the more I want of prestige, the more I want of whatever, the more the desire continues to grow. And it's a vicious cycle that never ends until the time of death. And therefore, Nabil Salsam says that the stomach of human beings will not be filled except with dirt. In other words, after entering into the grave, when the desires come to an end. So unless we want that interesting, he says that, okay, so where is the success then? It's inside of us. Illa amanu, belief. And what is belief? To believe in Allah as he is, by his names and his attributes. We just heard in Surah Al-Hashar, you know. These beautiful names of Allah Subhanahu He's the Creator. He's the Sustainer. He is the He is the Shaper. He is the one who controls the entire universe and everything in it. Right? To believe in Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala, to believe in His attributes, to believe in His names, to believe that He is the beginning, He is the end. Every atom, every particle of the universe is His creation. It's under His sustenance. It's under his observation and it's under his control. Iman billah. To believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Unseen. To believe in his prophets. To believe in his prophets means that whatever we've been instructed, the only possibility that it is of use to us is if it is ratified by the, uh, the, the accreditation of the prophets themselves. If this was the way of the prophet, then it is going to be beneficial for us. If it is not the way of the prophet, it's going to be detrimental for us. And for that, we have to analyze all of our activities you know, throughout the day. And this is connected to So those who believe and those who do righteous deeds. So what are righteous deeds? Righteous deeds are all those activities which have been undertaken by the Prophet Muhammad and his brethren among the Anbiya and this has to do with not only simply our ritual worship but it has to do with every activity that we have in life so the fact that we are Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's slaves and we have not been created except for the slavery of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala his obedience, his servitude so to understand that servitude and that system of servitude, then we have to be aware of the life of the Prophet Muhammad from the beginning to the end. Therefore, the study of Sirah, the study of Shama'il, the study of what was the Prophet's day like, what was his night like, what was his speech like, what was his character like, how did he deal with his family, how did he deal with his neighbors, not only what was his worship, but what was his transactions when he dealt with someone, even with his enemies, 
And as we also heard, you know, in, in the first rakat, he was sent as a mercy for the entirety of humanity. So his character, his, his consciousness, his state of mind and heart, we need to study that. We need to understand that. that, that that's the benchmark. This is the type of activity, this is the type of character that we're supposed to undertake. Allahu Akbar. And we are not only uh, to follow that ourselves, but we're actually responsible that this way of life should actually permeate society. It should spread in the society. And so this, this whole process, you know, this whole process is a, is a process which is also not requiring physical resources. This is also an amazing thing. And interestingly, the Prophet ﷺ, for the most part, they were without resources. They didn't have the material means. They didn't have armies at their disposal initially. They didn't have the material resources at their disposal initially. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, through their efforts and through their sincerity and through their, their, their prayers and their dua and their, you know, their, their constant effort on themselves and on others, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala changed the world through them. And this analogy that the man is in loss until he you know, acquires these, these attributes, it's akin to the man who falls in quicksand. Have you heard of quicksand? It's a, I don't know if you have in Illinois, you don't have a lot of sand, I don't think, in Illinois, but you have in the desert, if you are moving along, then there's a sand, which if you happen to fall into that, that sand, you begin to sink. And as you sink, the interesting thing is that the more effort that you make to get out, then the deeper and the faster you actually sink. So if you want to get out of that quicksand, there's only one way that you can do that. Number one, you have to stop. You have to stop, you know, whatever you're doing. And still, you're not going to get taken out. You know, you're not going to get out. You need a rope. You need someone to extend a rope to you and you they will pull you out so the way that mankind is today is that we are sinking in this quicksand an abyss of wrong belief wrong action and wrong object of life and it's very interesting when you look at it despite the fact that we have more resources we have more information we have more institutions you know for example uh, you know the uh, Look at the financial situation in the world. Do we have any dearth of financial institutions? Do we have any dearth of uh, you know, financial departments in universities and studies in, financial, in finance, study in economics, the dynamics of the market, et cetera, et cetera? So you would imagine that with all of this research, with all of these institutions, with all, of the, with all of these students and those who proceed in the world, you know, with this, backed with this type of education, the financial situation and economic situation of the world should be improving. Is that happening, folks? Inflation is getting better. Is there anywhere in the world where, uh, you know, the, a positive trend in, in economics is, is, is moving on the, on, the, on the upward? It's not happening. We have more hospitals, we have more doctors, we have more research, we have more machinery, we have in the medical field than we ever had, you know, ever. So one would imagine that the health of human beings should be on the increase, should be bettering. Is that happening? 
Are people getting healthier? Are they getting sicker? We just had this COVID, you know, with all of this, you know, uh, wherewithal that we have, you know, all this one that sends little microscopic bugs and the whole world shuts down. Man is totally incapable of warding, you know, the, these, the, these situations uh, off, you know. So despite all that we have in that field, the health of mankind is in deteriorating. Security. You know, it's, it's mind-boggling. Every other day, there's some, some maniac, you know, walks in and, and, and just kills people randomly. And some mentioned this is going to happen. A day will come when, you know, there, there will be blood flowing everywhere. And the, the person who is killing, if you ask him, why did you kill? Clueless. If you are able to ask the person who was killed, why have you been killed? Clueless. Right? Despite the fact that, again, psychological studies, studies in security, forensic sciences, I mean, we, we don't have any dearth of that. More universities, more specialists, more PhDs uh, are in this field than ever before. Is security improving or is it deteriorating? It's deteriorating, obviously. So this, this is what Al-Swanta is telling us. You're going to be continually in, in loss, right? You're not going to get out of this dilemma in any field, you know. Mental health, physical health, relationships, you know, economic, the political, you know, politics, my God, this is a total mess, right? So how do we get out of it? So Allah was saying, look, you're not going to get out of it by your own little intelligence, I've sent you a book, I've sent you a guidance, follow this. But we can't follow it until we believe it. So therefore, what we should really be about, and what we really, really need to acquire, is the knowledge of taqwa. Because Allah SWT says that this is a book of guidance, but it's not going to guide everybody. You know, even the Quran itself now is available to, to, to mankind. Everybody knows about the Quran. You know, it's, it's interesting that we have, you know, the world today, you know, the, the, the, the nomenclature of Islam, everybody hears about it. You know, everybody, everybody if you ask somebody, you know, in, in the street, uh, have you heard the word taqwa? Have you, have you heard the word imam? Have you heard the word jihad? <laughs> jihad, everybody hears. Have you heard mufti, fatwa? You know, these are, these are terms that the common people, you know, the non-Muslims even, they know these things. The Quran, everybody's heard about the Quran. When we became Muslims, you know, early on, I mean, we didn't, we, we didn't, we didn't hear these things. But now, the nomenclature of Islam is in front of everybody. Quran is, is known by, is, is heard by everybody. You know, even, even, even the terms of Islam, people hear this all the time. All they need to do is actually see Islam. They need, they need to see us acting like Muslims. That's really all, all that they need, right? And uh, since man is already coming to the, you know, he's coming to grips with the, with the, with the, with the, with the fact that he's losing. He, he's he's He's politically, he's economically, he's physically, he's mentally, he's in, he's, in, he's in loss, he's suffering, you know. And of course, man, when he's suffering, he's looking for solutions, and we have all the solutions. And all those solutions are within the man. It's, 
and, and this is the amazing thing. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala hasn't made it okay. If you have this amount in your bank account, if you have this type of education, you're able to acquire success. If you acquire iman, and everybody can acquire iman. If you're in the jail cell, you can acquire iman. And if you're in the palace, you can also acquire iman. It's all about, you know, following the order of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Al-iman yazidu yanqus. Yazidu bitta'u yanqus bin ma'asiyah. Acquiring Iman is not a difficult thing. It just requires a process, very simple process. Everybody, it's open, it's, it's available for everyone. The more that we follow the order of Allah, every order that we follow of Allah, that following of the order of Allah, it produces a higher level of Iman. And with a higher level of Iman, we can follow more orders of Allah subhanahu wa higher levels of Iman. And also, the more that we abstain from the prohibition of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that action also develops and generates iman. And with more iman, we can be, we can be more prohibitive in our, in our abstaining from the, the, the prohibitions of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So it's a virtuous cycle. And the opposite is also true. If we disobey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, iman yanqus. A black spark comes on the heart. On the heart. If we seek istighfar, if we do toba, we ask Allah to forgive us, then the black spot is removed. The heart becomes again clear, and it sees, and it understands, and it will be rightly guided. Otherwise, it, the heart becomes more black and more black and more black until we have a situation like what we have in the world today. Not, not only is right unrecognizable and wrong is undistinguishable, but as Nabi Yusuf said, a time will come when people will stop ordering to righteousness and they will stop prohibiting from wrong. Sahaba were amazed. They couldn't believe that. Ya Rasulullah, is that going to happen? Yes. And worse than that is going to happen. And what could be worse than that? What worse than that is that they will order towards wrong and they will forbid you from right. Do we have that today? Of course. So, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, look, develop iman, develop character, righteous action. And, you know, this is, this is, this is extremely critical. You know, no man is an island. As Imam Ghazali, he mentions that man, by default, has been created interdependent. Of course, we depend on Allah SWT for every moment of our existence, you see. But we also, Allah SWT engineered us in such a way that we have dependence upon one another. Man, as great as he thinks, he's, depend, he's dependent on his wife. <laughs> he, cannot, he cannot produce, you know, the continuation of his progeny without his wife. And uh, I think in many cases, rightly, you know, they're called the better half. At least in my case, that's for sure. It, and he's dependent on his subordinates. The CEO in his company, as mighty as he thinks, without his, without his employees, his company's not going to work, right? Without your neighbors, without your brothers, without your sisters, without your community, man cannot exist. So the human being, he is interdependent. That's how we're created. And in this interdependence, an interrelationship between one another. This is half of the ibtila. This is half of our test of being human. 
And so, on the one hand, our connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, our mu'amala with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, this is half of our deen. The other half is our dealings with his creation. And so, in establishing right and forbidding of wrong and establishing deen in ourselves and in others, there is also an interdependence here. Tawasi bil haq. So you don't just, you know, you don't just do what is right. You don't just order what is right. But you help one another to do what's right. Yet Allah mal jama'ah. The hand of Allah is with the collective. So we have to collectively be, you know, united on objective. And we have to be collectively involved in the pursuit of that objective. And it's not an easy thing to do. If it was an easy thing to do, everybody would be doing it. But it's a very difficult thing to do. You know? It's not easy to swim upstream. It's easy to let yourself go and let the current take you wherever it's going to take you. So just as there's a stream of water, there's a stream of society. There's a stream of, you know, uh, where civilization is headed. And the, the stream of society is headed towards, you know, is headed pretty much towards the fire of Jahannam. And so Nabi Azzam also mentions, you know, to fall into Jahannam is very easy, right? Jannat, Nabi Azzam mentions, is like on a very high peak with a very rocky and difficult road. And so to reach it is going to be a struggle. And Jahannam is on this very easy, smooth path, very easy to walk off and fall in. So since most of the world, you know, it's the whole world, you know, you go outside of SubhanAllah, you know, Masjids are such a, a boon, you know, and, and I, for those of you who are younger, those who are, are my age, they, they would have seen here in this country, you never had masjids you know, like this. It was hard to find a masjid anywhere in the country. Now you have these masjids all over the country. Thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for that. Incessantly, because these are the sanctuaries where we're safe from all of that. You know, it's, it's a flood outside. It is a absolute, you know, it's, it's a flood of masiyah. Everywhere you go outside, you're bombarded, you know, by, by, by fitan. You know, by you know, this this magnetic force towards evil. You know, and so being in these masajid is it's it's the refuge. It's it's the cave. You know, like the like the ashabul kaf, right? So swimming upstream is very difficult. Going against you know the the, the norms of society is very difficult. You want to live a righteous life. You know, you're going to, you know, as, as one of the poets of the 60s said, look out, kid, you're going to get hit, you know. And this is exactly, you know, what, what's, what's happening. So you're not going to do it alone. So we need, you know, we need the jama'ah. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's hand is with the jama'ah. There was, back, you know, around 50 years ago, one of our great scholars, he, he came here. And in fact, it was, it was, it was here in Chicago, What's the, the, the, the, masjid, the old masjid, Kedzi, I think? That old masjid, the, the first masjid that was here? Was, was it? Right? It's still there? Yeah, I haven't seen that place since those days. Yeah, it was actually here in Chicago, this incident. And uh, so in those days, you know, we just had a few, you know, people like ourselves, new Muslims, you know, that would 
maybe 15, 20 of us were here in Chicago. And so there was one great alim, he came from Bangladesh. And, uh, he was a very senior khalifa of Mawlana uh, Muhammad Zakaria, Rahmatullahi Sheikh al Hadith. So he, he told us very interesting thing. He was looking at us, and we're these new Muslims, we don't know anything, and we're trying to, you know, follow Deen and trying to, you know, invite people to Deen. We don't know what we're doing. So he says, if you want to, he says, you have two main enemies. You have shaitan and nafs. Right? Shaitan outside, you have nafs inside. And these two enemies, there's no way you're going to be able to, you know, uh, you know, overpower them except with three things. He said, number one, you need great knowledge because nafs and shaitan, you know, very tricky. Nafs is very tricky and shaitan, he's been at it, you know, since the time of Adam, salam. You know, and you just showed up and so it's going to be very difficult for you to, you know, unless you know his tricks and his ways, you know, his modus operandi, if you will. And uh, obviously, you guys don't have that, <laughs> right? I mean, we don't know much of anything, you know, and we're just new Muslims. Okay, so you need great knowledge. You don't have that. Second thing you need is great mujahada. Because you might know what nafs, you know, I think all of us have experienced that. We, we know our nafs is telling us, do this, do that, and we need to go against it, you know. As they say, put one foot on your nafs, the next one you go into paradise. So, but to actually do that, you need mujahada. Those who struggle in our way, and Allah will guide us. So you need great mujahada, struggle. And you guys probably don't have that either. <laughs> you haven't learned that. Okay. So two strikes and three strikes are out, right? Okay, what's the third one? So, well, the third one is you need companionship with the great people. So you need great knowledge, you need great mujahada, and where do you get that? You get that from the great people. And, uh, of course, here in America, you don't have much of that either. So we're like, uh, so then what do we do? He said... So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given you a sort of uh, an awad, you know. He's given you a something that can stand in lieu of all of that. So you don't have, you know, you don't have knowledge, great knowledge, you don't have great mujahidi, you don't have the great people. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given you something that will, you know, suffice for all of that. And that, he said, is the jama'ah, the collective. He says, as long as you remain together, unified in your objective, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to take care of you directly. Yet Allah ma'al jama'at. And he's quoted that. The hand of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is with the jama'at. So therefore, collectively, we have to not only understand truth and try and follow truth, but collectively make an effort and a unified push towards establishing right. And as, as we said, it's not going to be easy. It's a difficult, very you know, tedious, and very torturous path. And so therefore, we're going to have to encourage and motivate and encourage and support one another. Tawasi bil haq wa tawasi bil sabr. Sabr. 
Allahu Akbar. Patience. And patience is actually, the, we say, malak al-amr. It's the, you know, everything depends on, on, on patience. Jaza'am bima sabaru. Even entering into, into paradise itself is predicated on patience. Patience. To obey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you have to be patient. Nafs doesn't want to obey. To refrain from prohibitions, again, patience. Nafs doesn't want to be patient. Nafs wants to, you know, go ahead. Problems, difficulties, trials, tribulations, that's the nature of life. As a matter of fact, the more Allah SWT loves you and the closer you are to Allah SWT, the more you're going to be tried and the more problems and the more and the more magnanimous of difficulties that he, he places, you know, so that, that, you know, through that, through the testing process, the student, you know, elevates, you know, in status. And so the trials and tribulations to get through that also, you need patience. So tawasi bil tawasi bil sabr. So this, you know, continuous collective effort to, to help one another, support one another in righteousness and also in, in the difficulty of, of, of, of, of implementing this, this whole agenda. So we can't go it alone. We need, you know, the support uh, of one another. Right? And if we do so, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's promises are all there for those. The promise of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is always with the people of taqwa. It's always with the people of iman. Wa'dan alina. You know, it is the promise. And uh, the, the ultimately the help of the people of iman is the promise of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the promise of Allah in wa'dallahi haqq. It is truth and it will ultimately be manifest. What is from our part is that we need to make a, a first of all, understand our objective, why we're here in this world. And then make an effort on the pattern of this very short surah. Imam Shafi, he says that if Allah SWT had not sent down any other surah, any other portion of the Quran, then this would be sufficient for us. Because actually it's the whole framework of the whole agenda of Islam. And the whole agenda of Islam is to show humanity how to live as a human being, which requires proper belief, proper character, proper action, and a continuous effort, individually and collectively do so. So may Allah SWT give us all tawfiq to actually live according to this surah. That's why we see, you know, it's a, it's a habit of our ancestors, you know. They would meet one another and they would greet one another, assalamu alaikum wasalam, and then they would recite this surah to each other, you know. And so we need to keep hearing this again and again and again and again and reflect on it again and again and again. And hopefully Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us tawfiq to uh, bring this into our lives and uh, make it actually the, the agenda and the, the minhaj, you know, and the, and the basis upon which we live. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us all tawfiq. Subhanakallahu bihamdika nashadu ala ilantu wa nastaghfiruku wa natubu ilayku wa nastaghfiruku wa natubu.